invite you now to uh, take your Bibles, brothers and sisters, as we open the Scriptures again in the book of Genesis, and we will uh, read chapter 39. Uh, in, in 39, uh, the story of Joseph continues. 38 is a significant part of this story as an illustration how things were going with, um, with um, Jacob's uh, sons in uh, in Canaan, but the story of Joseph continues in chapter 39. So that's our scripture reading, and at the same time, that's also the uh, basis for our preaching the text. Chapter 39 in the book of Genesis. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, in the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he is brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to, to lie with me, and, and then I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, 
and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. As far as the Word of God. As our song of response immediately after the preaching, we will sing Psalm 84, stanza 5. Psalm 84, stanza 5, in response to the proclamation of the Word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the year 1970, David Milgard was convicted of raping and murdering a nursing student in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and he was sentenced to life in prison. In 1993, he was exonerated and released. He spent 23 years of his life in prison to something he did not do. In 1982, Alton Logan was convicted of killing a security guard in Chicago. The jury found him guilty of first-degree murder, and Logan disappeared behind bars for a life sentence. In 2008, new evidence showed that he was innocent. He spent 26 years of his life in prison for something he did not do. Imagine what you go through. Imagine powerless anger, the frustration, the bitterness that builds up when you sit there year after year. But then, how would you react if you were condemned not just for something you did not do, but for something that didn't even happen? As a matter of fact, you were doing the exact opposite. All you did was staying away from evil. Obeying God by being reliable and faithful. You refuse to betray someone else's confidence. And the next thing you know, you're thrown in jail and no one cares. What a, what a miserable mess. Think of the angry and bitter questions. Where is God when you need Him most? What is He doing for you when you trust Him and obey Him? If you would have told Joseph, as he was sitting in this dark dungeon, the Lord is with you, Joseph may have said, yeah, right, give me a break. What are you talking about? The Lord with me? Doesn't really look like it, does it? And yet it says so a few times in this chapter, the Lord was with Joseph. So somehow... That is a significant observation to understand what is going on here in this chapter. God remains God. God is holy and He is almighty. And even in the Egyptian darkness, He continues to work out His plan. For with Joseph, as a slave, with Joseph, the Word of God has entered Egypt. 
And that is the word that promises salvation, the word that is giving hope, the word that opens a future of promises fulfilled. In that light, we need to read this story. The Lord shows His faithfulness in Potiphar's house. That's the message this afternoon. The Lord shows His faithfulness in Potiphar's house. And when we follow the story, we see it happening in Joseph's success, in Joseph's obedience, and in Joseph's humiliation. Congregation, this morning when we looked at chapter 37, we saw how things were developing in Jacob's family. Joseph was young, but he wanted to stand up for God's will and for God's word. He saw the increasing assimilation of his brothers with the Canaanite culture and lifestyle. The story of Judah and Tamar in chapter 38 shows, shows how that was becoming a serious threat for the people of God's covenant. And it grieved Joseph. He warned against it. But his brothers hated him for it, and they sold him to those Ishmaelite traders who uh, took him down to Egypt and sold him for a, and bought him for a few bucks. It leaves his father inconsolable because he thinks that his son is dead. In the meantime, Joseph ends up as a slave in the house of this man called Potiphar, an, uh, an important government official, the captain of the king's guard. And that turned out not so bad because Joseph was treated well, and you could say that his position actually developed into a very successful career. However, that may sound nice, but it doesn't take away Joseph's loneliness and sadness. I mean, Joseph is just merchandise. A reliable slave, a much appreciated slave, but a slave with no rights in a strange country. And so the question must be haunting him why all this is happening to me. Where is God? What is God doing? We remember that from this morning. Joseph's perspective in life does not go beyond the horizon of Potiphar's household, and that looks pretty hopeless in the long run. And yet, even in such circumstances, remember who God is. The Lord can lead us, and, and he not only that He can do that, He often does that, He leads us to, through deep and treacherous streams. And you can have the feeling sometimes that you are drowning in the turbulence of life. But God will not leave you. It, that, that, that can be pretty hard to see that. But we must learn to see the presence of the grace of God in the midst of misery and trouble. Indeed, praise God's grace in Jesus Christ. The grace of God, brothers and sisters, does not always change your circumstances. We would love to, but it doesn't always happen. But by the Holy Spirit, the grace of God does give you the strength to carry on in your circumstances. From the very beginning of Joseph's stay in Potiphar's house, it is clear that God did not forget him. It says in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph. Our God is not some, some local tribal deity. No, he is the king of all the earth. We sang about that. And he rules the nations. And he's right there with Joseph in that foreign country. And God runs the show. On the painful, difficult way that Joseph is going, God will fulfill his counsel and will, his plan for the future of Jacob's house, of Israel's future. 
Egypt is going to receive God's people because Jesus is coming. Now, the Egyptians have no idea. But God is going to bless them. And God is going to use them to safeguard His people from ruin. Joseph has no idea either. But his career as a slave, his imprisonment is going to be God's tools to prepare him for the future. This is how God works. This is how God is educating us. It's, it's, again, it's hard to believe sometimes. But as we suffer and as we struggle, God is working with us. God is molding us. God is shaping us to make us grow in faith, to build up our trust, to make us more useful for His service, to prepare us for the future. Joseph's experiences teach us how we should look and need to look at our own misery and our own trouble. When Potiphar purchased Joseph at the slave market, Potiphar got more than he bargained for. He bought a slave. But, but, but what he gets is that the word of God and the blessing of God enters his house. Says in verse 5. The Lord alone is God, also in Egypt. That will come out again about 400 years later when, when God forces Pharaoh to let Israel go. And, and later on when he shows his power through Moses. Well, how does God show up here in this story? It says that Joseph became a successful man in his master's house. Things went very well for him. He didn't have to work in the fields, hard manual labor, but he quickly became Potiphar's majordomo, his most trusted servant, his master housekeeper. It becomes very obvious that God is faithful and that he blesses his work. The integrity and reliability of a man who fears the Lord. Think of that. A man who puts his love for God and his respect for the Word of God front and center in his life. When people see that, it must be striking. It was striking in Potiphar's house. Is it striking in your life? How do people know you? What is your reputation um, with the people that live next door to you or across the street from you? What is your reputation with the person who works with you at the job site or who sits in the cubicle beside you in the office? How does he or she know you? How does your boss know you? How do your customers know you? The guys you do an assignment with when you're in college, or the girls you hang out with when you're in university, how do they know you? Do they know you as kind, as helpful, as honest, as reliable? Do they trust you as someone who will never take advantage of other people? Do they trust you as someone who will never cut corners? when he does the job? Do they know you as someone who will always go the extra mile to help someone who needs help without even thinking about it? And then, 
if, if that's how they know you, do they also know that you are this way? Not because you happen to be a nice guy or a nice girl. But that you are this way because of your faith in God. Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do people get that? Potiphar got it. He sees his servant's loyal dedication. And he knows he's pretty lucky with a slave like that. It was his best buy ever. And he is impressed by the amazing blessings of Joseph's God that make him prosper. He sees the connection. Now, we know we should be careful here too. Right? The Lord's blessing in your life is not always identical with outward success and prosperity. You're going to say somebody is wealthy, so God blesses him, and somebody is poor, God does not bless them. You cannot make that connection. We don't preach the prosperity gospel. However, here it was so obvious that even the pagans can see it. And over time, Potiphar entrusted more and more responsibilities to Joseph, the golden boy of the house. But success is risky business. When everything goes so well, and everything is running so smooth in your life, when you're so successful, whichever way you turn, you'll be tempted to let your guard down. You can do it. You make it. And Satan will look for an opportunity to attack your weak spots, and he knows where they are. And he did so with Joseph. And it does so with each one of us if we enjoy the good life. Be on guard, arm yourself, so that you will be able to resist Satan. In the end, Potiphar's trust went so far that he gave Joseph 100% responsibility to look after everything. Joseph ran the whole household. His master didn't even bother checking up on him. And Joseph did not disappoint It says that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake, in verse 5. And Potiphar got it. Even this Egyptian must acknowledge that this faith in the God of his slave is the source of his prosperity, verse 3. For Joseph, it is evidence of God's faithfulness. And it strengthens his confidence that was based already on his dreams, that the Lord has something special for him in store. He doesn't know what it is, but he does see the impact of God's grace. However, danger looms ahead. As I mentioned, congregation success is risky business. It has a dangerous side to it. Of course, it's great for Joseph to be so highly respected and to be so appreciated in the pagan household of Potiphar. But it does come with the threat, the temptation to get lost in Egypt. It does come with the temptation to build on your own self-confidence. And just as his brothers, the threat for his brothers is to get lost in Canaan, there's a danger for Joseph to get lost in Egypt. And as God's people, you always have to watch that. We all do. You could see it in how Judah was acting in Canaan, according to chapter 38. Later on, you can see it 
over and over again in the days of the judges, in the days of the kings. And it's the same today. When the church is well respected by the world, it sounds attractive, but we are easily tempted to be taken in by the world's flattery. When the non-Christian world praises the church, we can quickly forget or ignore the controversial calling that the Lord has given us in the world. And then the church is tempted to sugarcoat the gospel. But when the church is sugarcoating the gospel, it can no longer act as the salt of the earth. But when we get too comfortable in this pagan world, we will end up acting just like the world. So you've got to be careful. Don't let your guard down. When everybody is telling you that you're doing such a fine job as Christians in this world, we can get the comfortable feeling that we've made it here. And that is pretty dangerous. Because Satan loves to use that. How was that with Joseph? How did all the praise, all the respect and appreciation for his dedication, how did it affect him? Let's listen to the story. As he did his work in his master's house, he caught the attention of his master's wife. He was around every day in the house. That's what he was working, right? And he was a handsome man, a physically attractive young man. And so she tries to lure him into having sex with her. In verse 7 it says, only briefly lie with me. The NIV makes it come to bed with me. But you can be sure that it was not just a one-time thing. You can be sure that this lady has used all the tricks in the book she knew to seduce him step by step. Why would she do that? Have you ever thought of that? Why would she do that? Was she just frivolous, out for some fun? Or was she perhaps lonely and desperate? Married to a man who was so busy at the royal court that he neglected his wife. A woman craving for affection. That doesn't make it right, of course, but it makes it even more dangerous for Joseph. Let's think of Joseph for a minute. You don't have to doubt that he was facing a real temptation. How old would he have, would he have been? 20, 21 perhaps? Here is this healthy young man. He's lonely. He's far away from home. And he has his needs for a warm embrace, for loving attention, and for affection. This woman offered him the comfort he was missing in his life. How do you keep yourself pure in those circumstances? Do you see, do you see Satan's attack? Not just on Joseph, but on the future of God's people. And Joseph, Joseph can, can only resist the temptation when he keeps in mind that somehow God has called him to reflect in Egypt his holiness and his faithfulness. It's also true for us. How do you keep yourself pure as a young man and a young woman? Our society is, 
and we all know that, our society is saturated with sexual images and sexual temptation. Promiscuity and porn has gone mainstream. What dominates the relationship between young people? What dominates the relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? How can you say no when the hormones are flying? How can you resist sexual sin? It's hard. It's hard. You can only do that. You can only have a good reason for that when the Spirit of Christ lives in you. When you are committed to Jesus, when you love to obey your Father in heaven. But still, it is not easy in a world where, for, where most people think that casual sex, if you feel like it, is not a big deal. What do we see here? Joseph refuses. What a contrast with his brother Judah, who had no qualms picking up a prostitute by the side of the road, chapter 38. Turns out to be his daughter-in-law Tamar, but he didn't know that at the time. Joseph refuses. It doesn't tell us how hard he has struggled with the temptation, but here is the line he, he will not cross. How can I do this great wickedness, he says. What a, what a powerful demonstration of God's power in his life. What a, what a demonstration of faith and perseverance. Joseph has seen God's faithfulness towards him in Potiphar's house. And he knows that God wants him to reflect that same faithfulness in his own relationship with God and in his relationship with the other people. For Joseph... That's a matter of obedience. And, and he has no problem explaining that to her. Right? Humanly speaking, my lady, that, that, that's how you can have the conversation. Humanly speaking, my lady, everything that I am here and everything that I have here, I owe it all to your husband. And it is your husband who trust, entrusted me with this unique position in this house. If I would do that, I would shamefully betray Potiphar's confidence in me. No, I may not and I will not embarrass my master. And not only that, it will be a terrible sin against my God. That's what he says. And so he doesn't go for it. But refusing continues to obey the will of God. In Joseph, my brother and sister, in Joseph you have a man like the one who is being described much later in the book of Proverbs as the wise or the righteous. If you turn to Proverbs 5, not now, you don't have to do that, but if you turn to Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, you read about a man who is able to resist the seduction of an adulterous woman as the one who lives in the fear of the Lord. So it's only your love for the Lord, it's only your commitment to submit to God that will enable you to overcome Satan's temptations. Only when the will of God and the Word of God is front and center in your heart and life, only then you will be a man of integrity. In other words, Joseph's refusal to have sex with his master's wife shows the power of God's faithfulness in Potiphar's house. You can also see that as the story continues. 
Because this, this, this woman, this sex-crazy woman, you know, keeps bothering him. Keeps bothering him. Day after day, day after day. His refusal does not stop her passionate lust. She won't take no for an answer. How do you do that? But by God's grace, Joseph is able to remain loyal to his master. The Lord's faithful support sustains him from day to day. And again, that does not mean that it has been easy for Joseph to resist the temptation. I don't think we have to believe that. Sure, he obeys God, but let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Joseph is at an age that we say sometimes, yeah, well, you know what? Young guys do stupid things. But um, boys will be boys, and hopefully they will smarten up when they get older. I mean, what would you expect guys of Joseph's age to do when the opportunity of easy sexuality would simply present itself? They're not going to look for it. It's there. Especially today again. We are bombarded by the universal message that nothing is right or wrong when it comes to sex. When it feels good, do it. Look at Joseph. Here his firm insistence that no is no. Now this determination, is that an unrealistic ideal when you look at yourself and you look at people around you in this world? No, it's not. You can resist the temptation. And as friends, also in the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, you can help each other to resist sexual temptations. Let the love of God and Jesus Christ fill your heart and life. Let it govern your choices. Let it govern your actions. Remember that God's love is worth a lot more than all the success you may have in the world and all the appreciation you get from people. Look at Joseph in Potiphar's house. Recognize in his life the power of God's grace. And hear the urgent call to resist the power of sin. Just stay away from it. Then, one day, the whole thing takes a dramatic turn. As usual, Joseph enters the house in the morning for his regular work. And there she is, all by herself, and no one else around. And she becomes aggressive. She wants to force him. Now what? Are you going to use violence against her? That's obviously out of the question. And so, he runs. He takes off. What else could he do? Now, unfortunately, he had to leave his jacket in her hands. But again, Joseph did not forsake the Lord's faithfulness. His commitment to live as God's child made him run away from evil. It would get him into trouble, sure. But he knew that the pleasure of sin would ruin the relationship with God. Satan's success would eventually kill him. And what God promised in his dreams would never come true. Well, here it is. Satan's next attack in this screaming woman sitting there with Joseph's jacket in her hands. Her passionate desire turns into anger and hatred. She feels humiliated, and all she can think of now is revenge. And she has this chance because until now, 
Joseph has never told his master what had been going on. In his loyalty, he wanted to protect Potiphar and his wife. Despite her behavior, that's going to backfire. When people hear her screaming, everyone comes running into the house. She accuses Joseph of sexual assault, attempted rape. This guy tried to force him upon me, she said. Look here, I just grabbed the jacket when he took off. Here's the evidence of this horrendous crime. He did, how did he dare? She first accuses Joseph in the presence of other servants because she wants to make sure that they are all on her side. Now, you wonder whether they really believe her story. I mean, it's hard to imagine that over time, none of them would ever have noticed anything of her persistent efforts to get Joseph into her bed. But then Joseph should not count on their sympathy and help. After all, he's just a foreigner. He's a stranger. He's an immigrant who made a quick career at the cost of the locals. This is the moment to get rid of him. And she reinforces this feeling by calling him this Hebrew. This is the grim and hostile atmosphere that Potiphar finds when he walks through the door after work. And his wife puts extra fuel on the fire by talking about the Hebrew servant that you brought here. She makes him feel bad by suggesting that he is partly to blame for what she had to deal with. So Potiphar is stuck in a corner. He can only turn against this highly valued slave without giving him a chance to defend himself. But who or what is Potiphar angry with? With Joseph? Or with his wife? Or is he just upset because of the public scandal? We don't know what he thought of her story. But you don't get the impression that he was so convinced of Joseph's guilt. Why not? Well, then he would have sent him to this death penalty. Or he would have killed him on the spot, perhaps. I mean, trying to rape your master's wife. Think of that. But no, no, Joseph ends up in prison. And it's a special prison, says in verse 20. It's under the direct responsibility of the captain of the guard. Who was that? That was Potiphar himself. It's mentioned in chapter 40, verse 3 and 4, and verse chapter 39, verse 1. So there he said, the thoughts storing through his mind. Is this the reward for obedience? Is this what the Lord does to people that love him and serve him with integrity? Not a trial. Is it ever going to stop? Did God, after all, forget about me, his child? You can imagine that the doubts about God's intentions with his life creep up on him. What about those dreams? Where is the Lord's love in this painful humiliation? And yet it says, as Joseph is in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. It says it again. And showed him his love. Believe it or not, the Lord, the God of the covenant, did show his grace in the darkness of this hopelessness. Joseph, brothers and sisters, Joseph has to start again from scratch. Or worse, as a slave without any rights, he is at the mercy of the prison inmates. But he did not rebel. 
He did not give up in anger and bitterness. He trusts that even in the deepest misery, God's faithfulness will not fail. Joseph's imprisonment is another attack of Satan. The seduction trick did not work. And now he tries to discourage him. But he will not succeed. In the frightening darkness, Joseph will come to see God's faithfulness and his blessing. He will come to see the progress of God's work in the protection of the covenant family. This is going to be the way towards the exodus of Israel out of Egypt, towards the freedom in the promised land. This is going to be the way towards the coming of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, Joseph didn't know all these things. He did not. Not yet. But he did know his God, and he did not despair. In this prison, he turned to the Lord, and he found again the grace of God. God's loving faithfulness continues to carry his children in the most humiliating circumstances. He experienced again God's kindness and love. How? In the favor of someone who trusts in him. Oh, God is really amazing, brothers and sisters. Look here. Joseph found favor in the eyes of the prison warden, the keeper of the prison. This man put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, and Joseph became responsible for everything that has done there just as he was in Potiphar's house. That did not happen overnight, of course, but after a while, the man knew, and perhaps with some hints from the boss, Potiphar himself, I can entrust everything to Joseph. I can do that because it will be safe and secure in his capable hands. This is our God. When his love in Jesus Christ is in the very center of your life, of your identity, of your integrity, of your reliability, it will show. It will show wherever you are, in a palace or in a dungeon. You will be visible as God's child, and you will see God's blessing. Joseph saw it in his humiliation. It says in verse 23, whatever he did, the Lord made it successful. When you're a slave in a prison, you're really at the bottom of the pit. You cannot sink any lower than that. And so the years passed by. But the power of God's amazing grace gave Joseph the strength to remain loyal to God, to entrust himself completely to the Lord's hand. Indeed, my brother, my sister, entrust yourself to the hands of your God, even in the most difficult circumstances. What do you think? That's easily said from a pulpit. But I'm going back to the misery in life tomorrow or next week. It's not so easy. No, it's not so easy. And yet, entrust yourself to the hands of your God. Because that's the only way to survive when you run into misery and disasters. Trust in that, in, that in everything that happens to you, God is still working with you. God is training you what he still has in store for you. That was true for Joseph. And we know that because we know the rest of the story. It's also true for you. It's also true for me. Remember why Joseph had to deal with all this trouble. He did not want to trade the love of God for the pleasure of sin. With Psalm 84, he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Would that be your choice? 
whenever you are confronted with that this coming week? Would it be your choice, my brother, my sister, boys and girls, young people? Would it be your choice? When you do make that choice, it may get you into trouble. It may get you into misery. But the end will be good. Amen.